uh, first of all, I just want to say thank you for all the people that's listening and chiming in. You didn't have to do it, but you did it anyway. So I appreciate you doing that. Hopefully that way, if we can learn how to agree to disagree, and we can live like people. When I make the hard topics, I say the hard things, I make the thing itch scratch. So if your itch is not scratching, and you're scratching on the itch, maybe you need to look yourself in the mirror. So I'm not here for no drama. I'm not here for no nothing. Just to learn, 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 and edify. This is from learning situations only. So I'm not here to get anybody's hairs up. So, again, thank you. And hopefully we can agree to disagree. the other so I was talking to a male friend of mine the other day and he told me that women don't apologize and women can't be held accountable and I began to really think deeply about this idea and one of the things that came across my mind is in the last nine months or so of me being in my private practice, I have myself experienced many women, whether they came as in as a couple or they came by themselves, they uh, very abruptly discontinued their therapy. And I started to reflect and really think, you know, what was going on here? And I noticed that after I had to confront them about something, I had to bring to their attention something they were doing that wasn't contributing to the health of the relationship, they became very defensive and very, you know, just very harsh and they stopped coming. And even though the husband would continue to come, he made it very clear that, yeah, she won't apologize. She thinks you're wrong. She thinks you're taking my side. And I began to really reflect like, oh my gosh, is it true that women don't apologize? Is it that women struggle with being held accountable? I'd love your thoughts on this. See fam, I hope the people in Haiti and the people in Kenya and the people in Africa is listening, hearing and watching this guy. I'm telling you he up to some crafty counseling and he up to no good. America got him by the ball, and this is an episode of the Mindset 
of a handkerchief Negro. Let's analyze. Kenya's president is committing his country to lead a multinational force to Haiti to combat gang warfare, even as residents of both Haiti and Kenya question the plan being pushed by Washington. As the leading nation in the UN backed security mission in Haiti, we are committed to deploying a specialized team to comprehensively assess the situation and formulate actionable strategies that will lead to long-term solutions, Ruto said. United States has praised Kenya for even considering leading the United Nations-backed force, while other countries hesitated. I think President Ruto of Kenya's, I thank him for his willingness to serve as the lead nation of a UN-backed security support mission. I call on the Security Council to authorize this mission now. The people of Haiti cannot wait much longer. And now, why he... Now, we already know my man, um, Biden record. We know when he was a senator, senator how he felt about black people, right? And the, and the rhetoric that he was saying towards him and the laws that him and Clinton put up against black people, right? We already know he a bigot. So why is he so concerned about Haiti? Why is he concerned about their problem and we got problems here? Something crafty coming, I'm telling you family, and this guy that's from Kenya up to some crafty counseling, he don't know that he is being set up. That's why I tell the people in Kenya, the common man, the common women in Kenya, this guy is setting y'all up for failure. But let's analyze. The U.S. is drafting a U.N. Security Council resolution authorizing it. The U.S. has said it will provide direct financial assistance along with training, logistical, and material support. In fact, on Thursday, Ruto met with U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken, who thanked Kenya for being a strong partner on Haiti. We are here to have a conversation on the how, the nitty-gritty, so that we can be able to make a useful contribution, Ruto said. Some Haitians and Kenyans have expressed deep concerns about a multinational deployment led by Kenya, which also involves full participation of the Kenyan police in Haiti. Reportedly, gangs have overpowered the Haitian police with some, estimating that they now control nearly 80% of the capital city, Port Au-Prince, since the July 2021 assassination of President Jovenel Moise. Remember that weeks ago, the U.S. State Department had urged Americans in Haiti to leave the country by whatever means possible, and that Haitians were worried that the U.S. was somewhat overreacting as some of them say they couldn't match the heightened sense of urgency from the U.S. with the actual crime rate on ground in Haiti. In other words, they agreed that crime is high, but disagreed with the U.S. authorities that it is so bad as to require foreign intervention. They this is what I don't understand, fam. Maybe y'all can get me to understand a little closer and a little better. Now, I tell Africa the same thing about y'all got y'all own country, y'all got y'all own land, and y'all not 
you don't have the Caucasian man, y'all do have the Caucasian man in there messing around. But that's y'all land. Now, how y'all gonna be fighting against the common man and common woman? How they gonna be ganging up, making all this ruckus if you're not on the same page as bringing Haitian to one nation, one people? I don't understand y'all Haitians. I don't understand. See, when they say assassinate, they murdered. They assassinated Martin Luther King. They murdered him. They assassinated Kennedy. They murdered him. They assassinated all our leaders. They murdered him. They killed him. So that's what they gonna do, man. And then they put that word assassination. They cleared, murdered, slaughtered, and kill those people. And now Haitians want to fight against each other and bring another black entity involved in y'all so that America can go up there and start stealing y'all resources. It's all about trying to hit the division of what they can get because they already fall. But let's analyze. Used Washington of having sinister takeover plans. In fact, some Americans took their cameras to the streets of Haiti and showed how that much of the capital was peaceful. Whether this is a reflection of the reality or not is left for Haitians themselves to confirm. But the truth is, they are opposed to interventions and it seems they're gonna have to get ready for one led by our brother nation, Kenya backed by the UN and co-funded by the USA. As one conservative American journalist puts it, my country was desperate for a black face to their Haiti operations and they found it in Kenya. Jamaica and Bahamas have reportedly indicated they will support the UN backed force led by Kenya in Haiti. Some of us here might be wondering what is happening in Haiti and how did all this started? Please, let me explain. Welcome back to Teens Republic, the life-to-life -life educative channel. And before we continue, Haiti's history is a complex and painful tale of exploitation and resilience. From being the world's richest colony under French rule to its hard-fought independence, the nation has faced numerous challenges. It's disheartening to see how external factors international sanctions and historical debts have contributed to Haiti's current economic struggles. Haiti is one of the poorest countries globally and the poorest in the Western Hemisphere. But in the past, it was different. It used to be a French colony called Saint-Domingue, which was the richest colony in the world. Many French people came there to find wealth. However, most people in Saint-Domingue didn't benefit from its riches. The colony's economy was built on slave labor. In 1791, enslaved people and free blacks rebelled to gain their freedom and rights. They fought against the French army and won in 1803. This was the first time enslaved people had ever successfully rebelled. On January 1st, 1804, they declared independence and created Haiti, the first black republic. But after gaining independence, Haiti's economy got worse. Several things happened. First, the fighting during the rebellion destroyed the country's capital and businesses. 
Second, Haiti didn't have good relationships with other countries for trade and help. Third, not enough money was invested in Haiti from other countries or within Haiti itself. Fourth, people started farming only to feed themselves instead of growing valuable crops. Lastly, Haiti had to pay a lot of money to France, which put the country in debt. Because of all... See? See how France manipulate all these black countries and with all their crafty counseling, taking money from poor people and making them poor and don't give a crap. And then all of a sudden they want to be friends and partner and make and continue making friendship. Friends don't do that. Only enemies. I don't understand this fam. We got Kenya over there knowing that Haiti was oppressed by the Caucasian man. Now you got Kenya. made the most high do something to the people in Kenya and all the other people that's falling behind Kenya that looks like me made the most high do something to them because they in the wrong right now. And they can't see it and they so much in, in the wickedness that this wickedness got to get cut off by the head and made the most high cut it off by the head. Let's analyze. See, we always got these um, African leaders that always run into America because America supposed to be saving them because they've been America, they've been oppressing their people behind America rhetoric. Now I'm telling all now this president right here y'all got to watch out for as well in Congo and what's going on in Congo. These guys that been in leadership so long needs to go because why they in leadership that long because the enemy allow them in there and continue putting them in there with their crafty counseling. What you talking about, Faith? What you talking about? Just analyze. The Republic of Congo, also known as Congo Brazzaville, is facing a possible military coup as armed rebels have attacked the presidential palace and other strategic locations in the capital. The situation is tense and chaotic, with reports of gunfire and explosions. President Denis Sassoon Nguesso, who has ruled the country for a total of 37 years, is said to be in the United States for a medical checkup. His whereabouts and condition are unknown. He has faced growing opposition and unrest in recent years, especially after his controversial re-election in 2016. The identity and motives of the rebels are unclear, but some sources suggest they are linked to the Ninja Militia, a former rebel group that fought against Sasungeso in the Civil War of 1997 to 1999. The Ninja Militia signed a ceasefire with the government in 2017, but some of its members may have remained dissatisfied with the political situation. The coup attempt comes amid a wave of political instability and violence in several African countries, particularly in West and Central Africa. Since 2020,
there have been eight coups in the region. Some of them motivated by anti-French sentiment and frustration with long-serving authoritarian leaders. The international community has expressed concern and urged calm and dialogue in Congo Brazzaville. The country is rich in natural resources, especially oil, but suffers from poverty, corruption and human rights violations. The outcome of the coup attempt could have significant implications for the future of the country and the region. On the other hand, the government of Congo has dismissed claims that there is an attempted in-coup Congo Brazzaville. Several sources have claimed that there was an attempted coup in Congo. A report caught the attention of several social media users. This is happening at the same time when it has been reported that the economic community of West African states has threatened to take military action against countries where coups have occurred. In a report that has been shared by a reliable source of information, it has been reported that the West African countries have experienced several coups in the last few years. These coups have caught the attention of several African countries that have promised to defend each other in case any of them is attacked. For instance, it has been reported that 35-year-old President Ibrahim Traoré of Burkina Faso has stated that any military intervention in Niger will he dealt with by his country. President Ibrahim Traoré has stated, Niger should be allowed to deal with their problems internally without any foreign intervention, adding that if any country attempts to restore ousted President Mohamed Bazoum, these attempts will be met with full force. Anyways, what do you think? The administration is reportedly pushing for the aid to Tel Aviv to be tied in with more funding for Kiev. That's as President Biden has pledged unwavering support to America's allies in Israel. So in this moment, we must be crystal clear. We stand with Israel. We stand with Israel. My administration has consulted closely with Congress throughout this crisis. And when Congress returns, we're going to ask them to take urgent action to fund the national security requirements of our critical partners. Let me say again to any country any organization, anyone thinking of taking advantage of this situation, I have one word, don't, don't. So we have Biden on the Hill a couple of weeks ago, unable to get through that $6 billion check to Ukraine. It descends into chaos, a watered down, uh, nothing for Kiev, stopgap bill gets passed instead. The Speaker of the House gets ousted, apparently for doing a secret deal with Biden uh, to support financing uh, Ukraine. Lo and behold, tragedy strikes in Israel. And ask any politician, they'll tell you never let a good crisis go to waste. Biden must have known that it wouldn't be set second time lucky with getting through that funding for Ukraine. So maybe he was presented with this idea. Why not smuggle it through by linking it with aid to Israel? Why? Because support for Israel is bipartisan. It is a guarantee. It is unwavering. Uh, it's pretty much a must have when it comes to political survival stateside because the electorate just wouldn't accept anything else. Now, certain Republicans have already vetoed this idea, but they will be faced with a very difficult situation because Biden is essentially forcing their hands here. He'll say, you don't want to vote for Ukraine? 
fine, but are you really not going to vote for Israel? Um, so it would be a kind of checkmate when it comes to bypassing any opposition to this fun Kiev forever policy. But it is worth noting one thing. Now, of course, those who are critical of linking of this aid, they are against funding Kiev specifically. But make no mistake, when it comes to other conflicts, this rhetoric of stop endless wars, let's negotiate, well, that falls to the wayside pretty quickly. America is in a state of managed decline, and it will exacerbate if we continue to hemorrhage taxpayer dollars toward a foreign war. We must suspend all foreign aid for the war in Ukraine, and demand that all combatants in this conflict reach a peace agreement immediately. The reason we have this multi-billion dollar commitment each and every year to Israel is because we want Israel to have a qualitative military edge over everyone in the reason. I don't know that we need to be sending a bunch more American tax dollars there. You could talk to the folks. I get the privilege of representing across the 4th District. Folks I see all over the country, uh, they want to focus on the concerns we have right here in the United States. We need to give Israel the time, the space, the resources so that they can win and win decisively and send a message to these evil people who did this to the to our great friend and great ally, the state of Israel. So it's not really fair to frame this as belligerent Biden versus the peace-loving right. When it comes to war, Capitol Hill is pretty much a uniparty. It's just really a difference of who supports and is invested in which conflict more. And in recent days, it's come to light another link between Ukraine and Israel, right? Yes, so there is a disclaimer. This has not been proven yet. And in fact, it's almost impossible to verify. But a video has appeared and comments have been made, which seems to suggest that Hamas is thanking Ukraine for supplying weapons, that they are using Western uh, weapons against the Israeli population. Just to clarify, like I said, these weapons are from the West. They are from NATO, but somehow they have ended up allegedly in Israel. Uh, how? No one really knows, but some in Washington are calling for accountability and investigation anyway. Now with what's happening in Israel, we're looking at a whole different situation. I want to track the serial numbers of the weapons that Hamas is using against Israel. And I want to know if they came from Afghanistan or if they came from weapons that we provided to Ukraine. Well, not a surprise, of course, to those who had even looked uh, at the 2021 Global Organized Crime Index, which listed Ukraine as one of the top hubs in the world when it came to arms trafficking. And since then, of course, the country has been flooded with millions upon millions of weapons with basically zero oversight. Uh, and what have we seen as a result? We've seen reports of those weapons that were destined for Ukraine ending up in Nigeria and Finland. And broken out in support of the Palestinians in the conflict. In Yemen, the Houthi government has threatened to respond with military force if the US gets directly involved in the conflict between Israel and Hamas. Across in Iraq, a local politician has claimed that American assets in the country could be targeted if Washington intervenes. Yusuf Mari, who's a geopolitical analyst and journalist in Yemen, he said that such remarks show that the Arab world is committed to the Palestinian, to protect Palestine. I do think there is going to be a huge escalation if the U.S. does decide to intervene militarily. You know, the leader of uh, Yemen's revolution, Abdel Malik al-Houthi, he did not make these statements, but, you know, without there being any type of coordination with uh, Palestinian resistance uh, commanders, without there being coordination with Iranian officials and without there being this sort of coordination between the axis of resistance consistent of Yemen, Iran, Syria, and Yemen's Hezbollah along with Hamas. So there's this joint effort that we are seeing unfold and you know forces are being joined together to counter the Israeli regime. In other words, the Muslim world is not is, is basically proclaiming 
we're not going to stand by and allow the Israeli regime to starve and to despotically kill Palkan. The Great War has begun. It says in the scriptures when Jerusalem is surrounded by armies, the end has come now. Forsake your houses and run. There in Demona, where the enemy has nuclear power that he produced in Demona, that's where the African Hebrew Israelites are, and they're the best thing that ever happened to that place called Israel. But I'm going to say this. You know, that's the Holy Land. <laughs> you can't bring your mess into the Holy Land and think that God will not expel you from that place. Can you imagine in Israel, they have gay parades in the Holy Land. What do you think about that? Do you think the God of heaven is pleased with that? That's why a new Jerusalem is to come down from heaven. Put up the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh fleets. It's wartime. That's why I decided to wear red today. Just letting you know, no easy time coming. You're gonna have to prepare to save your lives. Now here's the second fleet guarding the eastern coast. The third fleet guarding the western coast. The fifth fleet there, I think this is the Indian Ocean. And this fleet is designed to protect here. The sixth fleet is positioned in Europe, but it can move into any area here that's in trouble. And the seventh fleet is in the Pacific for China and Japan. These are nuclear ships. I heard the Honorable Elijah Muhammad say that Allah was going to destroy the 6th and the 7th fleet. I didn't ask him how, I just know what he said. War is here now. And if they attack Iran, I'm saying this to our government. You're being blinded by your passion and the fear in Israel that if Iran develops nuclear weapons, then what? Iran would be absolutely crazy 
if she had a weapon to attack Israel? Israel is the most well-armed nation in all that area of the world. Israel has more weapons of mass destruction that could defeat that whole area. So she's feeling, you know, her oaks, I guess you could say. So they're saying, well, look, if you don't want to do it, step aside and let us do it. Let you do it and then what? You know if you do it, you're going to pull America in behind you. But let me tell you what you're facing. You can't win another war. You can't win in Iraq. You can't win in Afghanistan. You can't win in Pakistan. I don't care where you go. Your day of winning for evil is over. And do you know why America is there? She's after strategic interests. Have you heard that word before? Strategic interests? That's oil. That's gas. That's precious minerals. And wherever there's precious wealth that America needs, go look and see the war that's going on there. Now for your questions answered. Over the next 15 minutes, we'll be answering questions that you've sent in about the Israel-Hamas conflict, which has now entered its fourth day. Well, this drone video shows the scale of destruction wreaked across the Gaza Strip over the past few days. Israel's army claims to have hit a further 200 Hamas targets in overnight bombing. Israel has ordered a total blockade of Gaza, cutting off food, water and supplies. The UN Human Rights Chief says the siege is illegal under international law, while the World Health Organization is calling for the establishment of a humanitarian corridor. Well, to answer your questions, I'm joined now by the BBC's Middle East analyst, Sebastian Asher, and joining us from Jerusalem is BBC correspondent formerly based in Gaza, John Donison. Hello to you both, and thank you to you both for joining us today. Sebastian, let me start with you. We have a question from Alimu Jalo in Guinea, and they say, why is the United States supporting Israel with all the killing done in Gaza? It's a very understandable question. It's one that many people ask uh, from all around the world. And I mean, I think in this particular instance at the moment, the U.S. is certainly not alone in this because of what Hamas has done, because of the atrocities that have been carried out. At the moment, it's being uh, seen by most governments, certainly most Western governments, to be honest, a lot of Arab governments and so on around the world as a terrorist act. That will change almost inevitably as the siege on Gaza grows. But a wider context. These streets keep calling me. They don't want me to leave the light behind. Staring at stars, wishing I had time. But my kids need food and my girl needs me. Sometimes I dream that I'm finally free. 
So baby, don't play me, I ain't no toy I'm a prisoner here, but I still make noise And I'm a child that I'm body with all my boys I'm a street kid now, but one day I'll be an island boy I'm just trying to make it, I'm an island boy Island boy, I'm an island boy has me terrified. Senator Lindsey Graham said he's been on the phone nonstop with Middle East contacts, suggesting that the United States ought to blow Iran to kingdom come for helping Hamas attack Israel. How dangerous are Senator Graham's words and comments? Uh, he ought to be put into a rubber room with a white jacket and his arms strapped behind his back. It's crazy. This has me terrified. Senator Lindsey Graham said he's been on the phone nonstop with Middle East contacts, suggesting that the United States ought to blow Iran to kingdom come for helping Hamas attack Israel. Hamas has been striking Israel through the weekend, and Israel has responded with force. They've been bombing Gaza nonstop. The death toll is said to have crossed 1,100, many of them civilians. On the internet, there are many reports about this war, some conflicting, some confusing, and some outright false. As they say, the first casualty of any war is truth. And that is the reason we decided to come to Ground Zero, to see for ourselves where this war is headed. Over the next few days, we will keep you informed about everything that's happening here, the military strategies, the political response, and of course, the rising human cost. In such situations, facts matter the most but to get there you must wade through many hurdles the propaganda the vested interests and in this case rocket strikes and that is our mission here in israel to show you the reality of this war the uncensored and unadulterated reality updates from the front lines the inside details of how hamas could have pulled off this sneak attack and what it means for israel's famous intelligence setup let's get started right now and you're being flooded by information so let's try to simplify things let's look at 10 questions 10 questions that explain this war and what happens next what is happening in israel as we speak question number one what is the situation on the front line israel says the border communities have been retaken around 1000 hamas terrorists had launched an incursion on saturday they held on to localities in israel's south the next day, Israel declared war. They called in the military and special forces, and there were grueling gunfights in the south, but now most of the border communities have been liberated. Only a few holdouts still remain. What about the terrorists? They've either been killed or driven out. But the battle is not limited to southern Israel anymore. It is spread across the region. Israel is carrying out air raids on Gaza. More than a thousand Hamas targets have been hit. You can see plumes of black smoke across the strip, the Gaza Strip. Many civilian buildings were also hit, but Hamas is not backing down. In fact, they're hitting back. Hamas fired more rockets through the day today. Air raid sirens rang across central Israel. People in Jerusalem were seen heading for cover. 
So this is not a localized incursion anymore. It is much bigger. Question number two. What is the death toll? Last we checked, it was around 1,200. Around 700 dead in Israel, which is their worst toll in decades, and more than 400 people dead in Gaza. And at least 4,000 people are injured on both sides. The United Nations says around 1,23,000 people, 123,000 people in Gaza have been displaced. They've fled their homes. So the human toll is massive. And remember, this is in just three days of fighting. If the war escalates, it could be worse. Which brings us to question number three. What happens next? Well, they're not looking at de-escalation for sure. Not yet. Israel has called up around 300,000 reservists. Their defense ministry has announced a siege. Listen to this. We are imposing a complete siege on Gaza. There will be no electricity, no food, no water, no fuel. Everything will be closed. We are fighting against human animals and we are acting accordingly. Israel's immediate priority is this, freeing the hostages held by Hamas. More than 100 of them are held in Gaza. But after that, what does Israel do? There is talk of a land invasion to occupy Gaza, to topple the Hamas. Israel's government has not officially confirmed any of this, but their prime minister did issue a warning. He asked Palestinians to start leaving. He said Gaza would be turned into an island of ruins. So the operation is not over, plus Hamas has lost the element of surprise, which means it is advantage Israel now. They decide where this war goes next. Question number four. Was Iran involved in this attack? Well, officially Tehran has denied any involvement, but Hamas spokesmen say they did get help from Tehran. The planning began in the month of August, and we will detail the operation later on the show on how Hamas pulled it off. But frankly, it's not surprising. Iran and Hamas have a long history of cooperation. Their support, their weapons, all of it comes from Iran. So the chances of Hamas going solo are very low. Question number five. Will the war spill over? And that is a real risk, the biggest risk right now, in fact. The Hezbollah in Lebanon have joined this fighting. Like Hamas, the Hezbollah is also close to Iran. They're sort of like an Iranian proxy. On Sunday, they began firing at Israeli positions. Hezbollah say their guns and rockets are with Hamas. In other words, they are in full support. So the worry is clear. Hezbollah could open a second front in this war. Which brings us to question number six. What is Israel's most important partner doing? I mean the United States of America. What are they doing? President Biden spoke to Prime Minister Netanyahu on Sunday and he said more military aid is on the way. He has also deployed U.S. military assets to the region. One of them stands out. It's a carrier strike group. The U.S. has deployed the world's largest aircraft carrier to the eastern Mediterranean, the USS Gerald Ford. They're also sending fighter jets to the region, both the F-15s and the f 35 So America's message is clear. Let Israel do its job. Do not dare intervene. And this support is key for Israel. It gives them the freedom to carry on without fearing outside attacks, say from Iran or Hezbollah. Question number seven. What does this war mean for Prime Minister Netanyahu? He was called Mr. Security, the man who knew Israel's military and intelligence inside out, yet this happened under him. And it's not a good look for any, any Israeli Prime Minister. His critics say he was too distracted. Maybe the judicial reforms he pushed or his tricky coalition politics. Either way, Netanyahu dropped the ball. There are 100 hostages in Gaza as we speak. Their families are putting pressure on the Prime Minister. They want him to negotiate to get them out. But those on the right, 
want him to push on, to punish the Hamas. So he may win this war, but the damage is already done. Question number eight. Is this the end of the Arab-Israel normalization process? For now, yes. If not the end, it will be on hold. No Arab nation will touch this issue, at least for a while now. Maybe this was the whole idea behind the attack. Question number nine, what happens to Palestine? Well, this attack has complicated matters for Palestine. Countries are rethinking their support to Palestine. Countries like Germany and Austria. Austria has ended all aid to the Palestinians. Germany says it will review whether aid should be given anymore. What does this show? It shows that countries are losing patience with Palestine, with their divided leadership, their radical tactics. All of it has fewer takers now. And finally, we have question number 10. How does this war impact you? More than 1,000 people dead is enough to move any human being. But beyond that, there are other impacts. It doesn't matter where in the world you live, chances are this war will affect you. Just consider oil prices. War in West Asia always spooks the oil market. Today, oil prices jumped by 5%. Brent crude reached $89 per barrel. And remember, Israel and Palestine do not produce oil. They're not even involved in oil shipments. Yet, this is the impact. So imagine if Iran gets involved, or there is fighting in the Gulf. Then oil prices would go through the roof. So this is a war that will impact everyone. Bracing for chaos, the NYPD is ordering all personnel to report for duty Friday after a Hamas terrorist leader called for a day of anger and sacrifice. Telling Muslims to take to the streets across the world in protest against Israel. Security in New York is already ramping up. There are heavily armed officers stationed at New York's Grand Central Station and the Port Authority bus terminal. Tomorrow, the streets will be teeming with uniformed officers. All uniformed members of the service in every rank have been called up, according to an NYPD memo. Be prepared for deployment. There's been a lot of internet traffic that is giving concern to law enforcement authorities. The war in Israel has become a flashpoint on the nation's college campuses. The students here at Brooklyn College say they're protesting the siege of the Gaza Strip, but they're saying nothing about the barbarity of what Hamas did in Israel that has shocked the world to its core. Students at the University of Wisconsin appear to be in full support of the carnage inflicted by Hamas. There we will University of North Carolina, it got ugly when pro-Israel students crashed a pro-Palestinian rally. How students can have so little empathy and recognition of the vile terrorism that resulted in the atrocities. Perhaps the most outrageous statement comes from Students for Justice in Palestine at Tufts University in Massachusetts. They actually praised the creativity of Hamas for sending in a fleet of paragliders to attack Israel. Donald Trump is under fire today for calling Hezbollah, the Lebanese-based terrorist group, attacking Israel from the north, very smart. And they said, gee, I hope Hezbollah doesn't attack from the north. Because that's the most vulnerable spot. I said, wait a minute. 
You know, Hezbollah is very smart. They're all very smart. Ron DeSantis blasted Trump on X. It is absurd that anyone, much less someone running for president, would choose now to attack our friend and ally Israel, much less praise Hezbollah terrorists as very smart. This new information coming in um, is extremely disturbing. Today, Israel released images of the youngest victims of the Hamas attack. One CNN anchor struggled to maintain composure as she described them. The three photos that uh, are being released show two babies whose bodies have been burned. I know Hamas has denied uh, beheading children, but they certainly cannot deny what is on video, what is on in, in photos uh, and what people have seen with their own eyes. Somewhere in the midst of this destruction are American and Israelis being held hostage by Hamas. Rob O'Neill, the hero former Navy SEAL credited with killing Osama bin Laden, says launching a rescue operation will be incredibly challenging. Well, the hardest part is gonna, gonna be finding out where exactly they are, so you're gonna need to have good intel in there. You can get in, but uh, getting out could be the hard part. Like even with like climbing Mount Everest, they say it's easy getting up, but you die trying to get down. Some of the hostages may be held in a honeycomb of tunnels beneath the city. They've been barricading, booby trapping, everything to include the hallways, the entrances, and the hostages themselves. Hamas released this disturbing propaganda video showing a handful of the hostages. And you can see the terror on their faces. Five men are tied up lying on bare concrete floors in a windowless room. When you're dealing with evil like this, especially in the hostage situation, I would hope they send the best of the best, and that would be uh, the guys that we have, especially in our Tier 1 units. U.S. Secretary of State Blinken had an emotional meeting in Tel Aviv with distraught relatives of some of the hostages today. We're thinking of them and trying to do everything we can. So we want to bring them Thank home. you. We're learning more about the attack on the kibbutz known as Ground Zero of the Atrocities. This just-released video shows terrorists storming through the scenic farming community, hunting for victims. American Cindy Flash and her husband Eagle, who were living in the kibbutz, are among those killed. We spoke to their daughter, Kieran. Her and my dad um, were, were slaughtered in their home. They were in terror. For the last few hours of their lives. I also spoke with Hanny Ricardo, whose 26-year-old daughter, Oria, was killed at the music festival. I saw a message from her on my phone. Mom, I love you so much. She sent you a message that said, Mom, I love you so much. Yeah. It was just minutes before she died. You can see the soldiers. Get down. Get down. Lay down flat. Lay down. Lay down totally flat. And this was the wild scene today as a suspected terrorist was taken into custody at the site of the music festival massacre. You can see things are very tense here. A Fox News reporter captured the drama. Go back right now. Law enforcement here in the U.S. on high alert today, bracing for copycat attacks sparked by the bloodshed in Israel. New York Mayor Eric Adams is warning everyone to stay alert. You need to be conscious of your surroundings. The FBI issued this bulletin. While we don't have specific, incredible intelligence, we encourage the public to remain vigilant. Terrorism inspires terrorism. David Viola is a former U.S. Navy intelligence analyst. What types of attacks should we be worried about right now? There are a lot of guns in America, and they're not hard to get a hold of. So the idea of even a lone wolf finding their way into a synagogue is something that 
we're concerned about. Here in New York, home to the largest Jewish community in the world outside Israel, the NYPD is stepping up patrols at Jewish places of worship. And they're encouraging Jewish and Israeli organizations to hire private security. They should be able to worship and recreate and work in peace and safety on every street in the United States of America. And that's why we're working so closely with state and local authorities to, to be able to identify any potential threats and disrupt those threats uh, before, before they happen. The entire nation is on edge. At a pro-Israel rally at the University of Florida, <laughs> students fled in panic. They thought they were under attack. What sparked the stampede? Somebody fainted. Mass rallies continue across the nation and the rhetoric is heating up. Republican Senator Lindsey Graham is calling for Israel to bomb Gaza into oblivion. Do whatever the hell you have to do to defend yourself, level the place. And there's backlash against some Harvard students who put out a statement saying, we hold the Israeli regime entirely responsible for all unfolding violence. What the hell is wrong with Harvard? and Columbia, back in the terrorists instead of Israel. Is this what they're learning at Harvard University? Bigotry, anti-Semitism, outright hate? Israel has called up 360,000 army reservists, and some are here in the U.S. Gal Cohen, a student at the University of Connecticut, is packed and ready to fly to Israel to do his part. But I really have to, to go back home, um, because that's where my family is. This is my home and I have to protect it with my own body. Many of you may not be aware that President Biden signed an executive order enabling all qualified Americans to serve their country in uniform. This executive order includes women over 18 and transgenders. Putin's illegal occupation of Kiev and the impending Chinese blockade of Taiwan has created a two-front national security crisis that requires more troops than the volunteer military can supply. The recommended way forward will be to invoke the Selective Service Act, as is my authority as president. The first to be called in a sequence determined by national lottery will be men and women whose 20th birthday falls during calendar year 2023. Remember, you're not sending your sons and daughters to war. You're sending them to freedom. God bless Most of y'all, I hope y'all get this. I be telling the young fellas right now, they trying to take y'all to war to fight this war or something that don't even mean nothing to y'all. They gonna, Now, this is what I'm saying. If you treat me like dirt in America, they trying to do the flim flam like they did our forefathers when they went out here and fought and Vietnam and all these other wars and come back and get treated like shit. So young people, now what's the mindset of y'all? Are y'all gonna rally up together and mob up and dare them to take it? Or y'all just gonna go fight the war and come back, limb gone, mind gone, or life gone? Because they said they already know 6,000 people are going to die. So they need 6,000 people 
to cover those 6,000 people that going to die a day. Now, all y'all guys, young fellas, hard-headed, all y'all guys, oh, you can't tell me nothing. And all you women out here want to be Debo the boss. <laughs> Time gonna tell now. Time gonna tell. See, this is what y'all don't understand, man. These people put us in an illusion. We've been punching in their illusion for so long. Now they kingdom gone. Now they trying to come up with some funky money. And now they trying to put you in a different type of mindset to keep you in a mindset or keep you in a in a in a pattern that you're in now. But with a different type of beat or a different type of melody. So I don't understand what you're gonna do, fam. I'm sitting up here analyzing this stuff, showing you this stuff. So you won't be like, oh, that's all he do. He just talking. He don't know what he talking about. You just heard it from his mouth. Oh, that's just a... But what if this for real, man? You know, a lot of y'all ain't getting this information. They trying to get y'all from the back door or in the window when you're sleeping at night. You got crud and your eye don't know what you got. They got you off guard and you in a bad situation when you come to yourself. Oh, I should have listened to Faye. Oh, he was right. But it's too late now, bro. Now you got your family, you got your wife looking at you crazy. You got your, your little boy and your little girl looking at you crazy. What we gonna do now? See, I don't know. I don't know what my outcome in this life going to be when the most I take my life right. But I'm so eager. I'm so eager to find out. I'm, I'm looking for, this is just like a show to me, y'all. How all this is going to pan out. How, how all this in the Bible, what the scriptures say, and how people is not accepting what the truth is and all these wicked people and all these things that are going on in the world, how is this all going to manifest? You know, because the most I going to do what he won't do. So it ain't no use to be worried about it. Only thing we got to do is continue focusing on our goals on them 613 law statutes commandment and try to get closer and deeper in the scriptures of the Most High, man. And get somebody to learn and teach you the right way, not the white way. Because we already know, and I've been telling you this all this time, that we are the true children of God. I already told you that the scripture says that we got next. In order for us to get next, there's a whole lot of situations got to happen for us to get next, right? 
I'm telling you this. I'm I'm putting this out there for y'all to hear and be aware of and see if you know I'm just talking rubbish. But what our mindset is, man. Where a heart at? See, colonialism, KKK, and white supremacy got us clogged down, clogged our minds and body up so bad that we need a plumber and liquid drainer. All of us as a nation to get that out of us, y'all. Because I already know that we going to jail as a nation because the Bible said all oh, it's going to be nations against nations. Everybody jockeying for position. Everybody trying to survive. But we're going to see how all this is going to plan out. Because it's too much going on, y'all. I'm telling y'all, it's too much going on. For me being an OG, right? For me being an OG, until now, what we see, and and you can ask the people that been on, uh, is on this OG status, who got a little wisdom, got a little sense, and got a little, you know, a little familiarity with what's going on in the world. They can speak that logical information to you and tell you, man, time flying around so quick already. The year is almost up, y'all. The year is, this is the fastest year. It, it just, it's, it's up. We got, what, two more months? And it's a new year, 2000. 2004 gonna be strong and a whole lot of stuff gonna be ready now y'all I hope y'all getting y'all stuff together bro your money not your money your food your clothes your warm clothes your, your all your stuff that you're gonna need to survive in this this mindset man that they got going on only thing they waiting for is to, to get real cold man they already trying to kick this COVID. Now they trying to kick this wall. Now, me, as a black man, and, and the black, a logical black woman would think, me as a black woman, or a Latino man would think, me as a Latino, a Latino, logical Latino woman would say, me as a Latino woman. A native Indian man would say, me as a native Indian, and a logical Native Indian woman would say, me as a Native Indian, why should give me one good reason why should I fight in this war? And I can give you a hundred good reasons why I should not fight in this war because what you fail to realize if you if we unite as a nation man if we a hundred million deep because y'all don't realize what a nation is you see the most high had 12 is 12 tribes 
and say out in 12 tribes there's a million people right I just say I'm going to just say 500,000 each tribe got 500,000 people and there's 12 of us how we not can't do what we can do how can somebody push us out the way how can somebody ponder on us how can somebody take advantage of us because y'all fail to realize the most I said our forefathers didn't do what they supposed to have done so he cast us out put us in this captivity separated the nation divided that's why he said all of us and all all different types of nations we everywhere we all types of nations he scattered us now he gonna bring us back into one nation because that's why Jesus died on the cross Matthews 15 I'm going to read Matthew 15 and 22 and behold a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him saying have mercy on me O Lord thou son of David my daughter is grieving and vexed with a devil. But he answered her not a word. As he at and his disciple came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she cried after us. So if my question to y'all is. If this lady was asking Jesus for help and pray for and do this, and the disciple told asking Jesus to send her away. So I'm scratching my head is why is he saying that if salvation is for everybody? Okay, that's a, that's a thought I had in my head. That's what I want y'all to understand. But let's go on. This is what I want to get to y'all. Um, Matthew 15 and 24. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So this is what Jesus has said. He only has he has he was only sent for the house of Israel. That's in Matthew 15 and 24. And see if I took it out of content. Out of context. This is what I'm saying, young blood, young fellas. They've been hiding all this information from us that we don't that we didn't know. Because 
They stopped us from reading. They stopped us from doing all this other stuff. When they, when we came, our forefathers came in here on cargo slave ships. And they started their crafty counseling and all this. But the Bible said, Jesus said that he is only sent for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And who is, who, who is Israel? Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons. And we are the bloodlines of those 12 sons. This is what y'all don't understand. That's why the Bible always talking about when y'all be reading the bloodline, he begot him, he begot him, he begot him, he begot him. That's showing you that the bloodline counts, man. And if only y'all realize that we got the bloodline of royalty, the bloodline of priesthood. It was snatched away from us by the Most High, but the Most High going to restore this to us. But we got to be ready to accept it, man. It ain't right to accept the gift that you're not ready for. If I'm a crackhead and I got, I was blessed with a million dollars. Is that a good look? Is that a good scene? Is is that a good thing? I'm going to smoke myself to death now. Right? See? You got to be ready for the blessing, man. And most of us ain't ready because we still on that mindset that we brothers, man. We brothers, man. Regardless of how you look at it, how you put your little narrative on it, how wicked your heart is, we brothers, man. So let's start acting like brothers. Not brothers like Cain and Abel. You know what I'm saying? Let's stop that Cain and Abel crap. And be brothers of righteousness, brother of holiness, and brother of love, and brother of peace. Prejudice bastards. Prejudice bastards. Prejudice bastards. Tell them though. Prejudice bastards. Prejudice bastards. Prejudice bastards. Tell them though. Now let's talk about freedom. The Negro says, I want my freedom now. Others say no. The voice of a responsible, educated, non-biased person says togetherness. There is no other way. Until justice is blind to color. Until education is unaware of race. Until opportunity is unconcerned with the color of a man's skin. 
Emancipation will always be a proclamation, but not a fact. <laughs> you see, prejudice squints when it looks and lies when it talks. Damn fool, tell them don't be Prejudice bastards. Prejudice bastards. Prejudice bastards. Tell them dope. Prejudice bastards. Prejudice bastards. Prejudice bastards. Tell them dope. Prejudice bastards. Prejudice bastards. Prejudice bastards. Prejudice bastards.